Join me in your Bibles in Psalms, Psalm 125. Always bring your Bible to church. I recommend a hard copy, an old-fashioned paper Bible. That's what I recommend. A lot less distractions. Plus, we can look down the aisle and see you holding your Bible, and then we're sure you're not playing video games. (laughs) And we'll be edified as you're so studious. Psalm 125, verse 1. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. And I'll stop there. Uh, we were reading this psalm Friday night at the Belligers Home Fellowship. I always love visiting with the Belligers as well as the other home fellowships. When my wife and I went away for a two-week vacation, it was one of the things I was longing for most was to go back to home fellowships. Uh, right now, a lot of our groups have started a unit on psalms. Our first unit, about, which we started about one year ago, was God is relational, which we studied for about eight or nine weeks. And then we did a unit on Ephesians, then a unit on triune man doctrine, then a unit on Psalms, and the next unit is on the Trinity. Some of the groups have already started the unit on the Trinity. Most are in the unit on the Psalms. Just to let you know how it works, uh, what happens at home fellowships for those of you who don't go. We're now, uh, a lot of the groups are in a unit on the Psalms, and the third week on the Psalms unit is on this Psalm, 125, and it's a song of ascents. Ascents as in going up, ascending, ascending up, ascending up to Jerusalem. Most scholars agree that these Psalms were to uh, encourage the pilgrims from all over the Holy Land who traveled anywhere from minutes to days to weeks in order to arrive in Jerusalem several times a year for holy festivals. And so the idea is that these Psalms would encourage these pilgrims as they made their way to Jerusalem. Well, Friday night as we were talking about this psalm, a verse jumped out to me personally. And that is verse 3. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. At many times during the history of the nation of Israel, when the pilgrims made their way from cities all over the Holy Land to Jerusalem, for the holy festivals, they had to go past cities, towns, regions that were not under the control of their own people. For instance, in the time of Jesus, we know that 120 Galileans left the region of Galilee in order to go to Jerusalem in obedience to Jesus. 
They traveled all that way, passing one after another symbols of Roman oppression, symbols of Herodian oppression and tyranny. They passed these symbols, one symbol after another, one image after another, one military uh, patrol after another, one statue after another, symbols one after another of the rule of Rome and Herod and so on, foreign domination. But this psalm encourages them to keep on walking. Don't stop because of the activity of the unrighteous. Don't stop serving the Lord because of the activity of wicked kings, because the devil rules wherever the devil may rule. We're not blind nowadays. We understand that the devil is having his way here and there, that there are changes going on in the world and the nation and the community that are under the control of the wicked one. But we should stay together as this psalm encourages us and keep on trucking, keep on going. Now, for the Jewish people, this psalm encouraged them to go past the rule of Greece or the rule of Persia or the rule of Rome. Go past their symbolism. Go past their oppression. Go past their unrighteousness to Jerusalem. Specifically to Jerusalem. For us Christians, we take that as a metaphor for our life in this world. Continue on past the discouragements of wickedness in this world and the rule of the prince of the power of the air and continue forward in Christ. But we can be a little more specific than that because we are headed to the new Jerusalem. Hallelujah. We're headed to glory. We're headed to uh, unity with our God. And we have to just keep on, you know, in a sense, put the blinders on. Stop paying too much attention to the way the devil's having his way off to the left and to the right. And keep your focus and keep on heading for heaven. Hallelujah. Amen? Because we're going up. This is a song of ascent. We're going up. Hallelujah. But in addition to that, I want to encourage you this morning to go to church to go to home fellowship, to go to the things that your church is doing, to go there, to be there, to put blinders on and never mind this discouragement off to the left and that uh, ugly development off to the right. You know, COVID shut down churches all over America, probably all over the world. The COVID pandemic killed churches. And I will tell you right now, it put a hurt on this church. We have to put our blinders on and keep on going. People made an extraordinary effort to go to Jerusalem during the Passover and Pentecost, those two holidays, in the year 
that Jesus Christ sacrificed his life on the cross as the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and on the third day of his death rose from the grave. And I can tell you that all the people who went to Jerusalem that year were really glad that they went, especially those who were there on the day of Pentecost. For instance, the 120 Galileans that gathered together in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came upon them and gave them power to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Oh, were they glad that they didn't let laziness overcome them and keep them home. I'm tired of that long journey, 90 miles. It's a 10-day journey. I'm too tired. There's been too much going on. I'm emotionally put out. That was a very emotional experience to see Jesus crucified and so on. Oh, I'm, I'm just put out by all of that. I'm staying home. I've got to do a little, a little uh, um, treatment for my own mental health. I've got to take a mental health day. I can't, I can't make that journey to Jerusalem. Oh boy, were they glad they made it. Were they glad they walked up those hills to Jerusalem and gathered there and they were present when the Holy Ghost fell? Praise God. Or the other side of the excuses. Oh, I've got, I've got a lot to do. I've got a lot of responsibilities. I've got a lot to, that I've got to accomplish. I have so many chores. I have so many burdens on me. I have so many... I'm the pillar of my home. I've got so many responsibilities on me. I just can't, I just can't pull myself away from them. You know, in one case, somebody's too lazy. In the other case, somebody's kind of working too hard. The Lord wants us to make that journey. Leave our homes. Wow, were they glad they did and they gathered together in Jerusalem because that's where the Lord started the church. So let's go there to the start of the church. Let's go to Acts chapter 3, the book of Acts chapter 3. Thank God for the book of Acts. Jesus did did not teach a great deal about how the church would operate. He taught a great deal about the salvation of our souls. Well, that's where it starts. But we need the book of Acts to show us what church looks like. Acts chapter 3, verse 6. And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And typically, we zero in on this event we zero in on the healing. I want to zero in this morning on what he said before the healing took place. Silver and gold have I none. That should speak to us, Americans. Silver and gold have I none. What was he doing? Going up to the temple to pray when silver and gold had he none. Really? He should have been checking the want ads. He should have been going to interviews. He should have been making a a visit down to the labor department. He should have been signing up at the temp agency. Silver and gold have I none, and he's going to the temple to pray? Acts 
He should be arranging a job interview. He should be going back to his nets and drop his nets in the Sea of Galilee and pull in a catch. Silver and gold have I none. But no, Peter had left his nets in order to serve Jesus, didn't he? And he wasn't going back. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Let's see what leads up to this great miracle. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now Peter and John, this is chapter 3, verse 1, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. I'm wondering if maybe a lot of people in the Jerusalem church would say, silver and gold have I none, the way they were sharing everything with everybody. Truthfully, no one in that church was being forced to uh, sell their possessions and share them with other people. They were giving what they could. And I don't want to minimize what they were doing. They were being more than generous. They were also being very courageous. Very courageous. They were acting in faith, giving so much of their means to support other people. Uh, I've talked at length in the past about why this was necessary. the, The church was just being born, and the same as an infant child needs to be warmed, coddled, fed, changed, moved. You know, an infant child has to have every need taken care of the child so the child can thrive and and grow more durable, in a sense, and grow uh, stronger. And so the baby can thrive. Well, the church was a baby. And so, so much was being done for the church by the people of the church to enable the church to thrive, to keep pilgrims to Jerusalem in Jerusalem a little longer so that they could learn of the gospel of Christ. So apparently Peter and John were being supported by the people who were giving up their possessions and goods. Well, I am not this morning preaching to you in order to get your possessions and your goods away from you. My point to you is that the church, being a member of the church, is not a spectator sport. We are meant to participate. We are all meant to participate and give of ourselves. What was going on in the Jerusalem church at this time was a very special and precious phenomenon. If you read Acts chapter 5, you will see that God was being very protective of what was going on in the church. I don't want to get into uh, Acts chapter 5, but 
God was noting their generosity and courage, and he was protecting the purity of what was going on there. Such that we might today wonder whether any local congregation has ever reached the level of buy-in that the Jerusalem church was exhibiting in Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4. I will say the Macedonian churches and the church of Corinth did in the future take up collections uh, for the support of the Jerusalem church because the Jerusalem church was very persecuted and as a result very poor. And so other churches around the Mediterranean took up collections for the uh, Jerusalem church. But it's taking up a collection. It's not the same as what we see going on in the Jerusalem church people selling their lands and possessions and making, throwing into the, pot, the common pot, if you will, support for the whole church. We might wonder, has this ever taken place before? And I will tell you frankly, I don't think of these chapters as the standard for the church. I don't consider them standards of policy or procedure for a New Testament church that everybody should or must give of all of their possessions and make all their worldly possessions, put, make them all in common, uh, in a common pot, which is then distributed back to the people. I don't take this passage as communicating to us the standard policy and procedure of a local church. I take it as an amazing event that was necessary at the time. On the other hand, I don't want to throw it away. I don't want to throw it away as an example to us. And the way I'm going to present it to you this morning is that it is an example to us of participation. We are meant to participate, not simply be spectators. And we are meant to participate enthusiastically and wholeheartedly in a local church. I think our church, Living Word Church, in Syracuse, New York, this this congregation right here has an incredible level of buy-in. I feel like I'm the most blessed pastor in the world. We're just not a come and warm the pew kind of congregation, are we? Come and warm just... Just uh, show up on Sundays, warm a pew, maybe put a couple dollars in the tithe box at the back of the church and, and move along in, in your way. We have a lot going on for a congregation of our size that would be impossible to do without a high level of commitment by a large number of people. Is it, isn't it true? Uh, Living Word Academy is a miracle every day it opens because of the contributions of so many people to make it happen. And this has been going on for a long time. We couldn't have a church meeting without a great number of people anteing up, getting in there, putting forth their contribution. As a church, we have a very small payroll as compared to churches on average. This is what our accountant has told us. 
And I, as a lead pastor here, I'm not contemplating right now any new, large manpower, any new large projects that require a lot of manpower. I'm not contemplating any right now. Even though I can think of more things that I would love to see done in the community. Why? Because I think as a congregation, we're spread pretty thin. Because we're giving a lot. Listen to Brother Mike and Sister Audie this morning. I can tell you that this um, Thanksgiving giveaway has a history of costing about $25,000. Our typical food pantries uh, are much smaller by comparison. The Thanksgiving food giveaway is big. Well, we can handle it. We can do it. You do it. You give extra this time of year. We put our turkeys in the blue bin, the big blue bin, Luke's big blue bin out there, and bring in other contributions. And that was a great question, Aaron. Money. I hope we'll be ready for more in the future. I hope we grow as a church, and I pray we will be able to do more good and become more strong in the future. I'm reminded of a verse in Haggai. Haggai preached to the people uh, in Jerusalem. He says, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? He was saying the people were coming back to Jerusalem and they were putting all their attention on getting their own homes beautified while the temple in Jerusalem was being allowed to just sit and waste. And the prophet said, we've got it backwards. We've got to get the temple of God looking good and operable first, and then our houses come second. The idea there was that they were taking care of their own comfort and pleasure while the house of God was in ruins. That was not the problem in Acts chapter 2. The NIV says for Haggai 1-4, they were dwelling in paneled houses or luxurious houses, says the New Living Translation. I'm not concerned with the physical house this morning. And like I said, I'm not here to provoke you to do more projects that are going to make us, you know, spread ourselves thinner. I'm interested in the spiritual house our strength and quality as a team. Our functioning ability and power as a team. We have been given the example of Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4 for a reason. Now, uh, by the way, I'm not going to be talking about pornography this morning, so you don't have to be quiet anymore. We could have lots of shouting, amen, preach it, brother, all that good stuff. Let's get back to being boisterous and, and let the Spirit move us. Hallelujah. 
The pattern we see in Acts 2, 3, and 4 shows us something about the will of God, I think. It's that we put the church ahead of our own house in our personal interests. Not in all ways and in all amounts. Like I said, I'm not looking at Acts 2, 3, and 4 as being church policy or church procedure. I don't see anything like it anywhere else in the history of the church. We have been given a lot of room by our God to take care of our own. But compare the care we give to our own and the care we give to the church. It it impacts decision after decision after decision that we made, and I would like to speak especially about attending church and especially about attending home fellowships. Take home fellowships. The Lord has given us home fellowships for the express purpose to give us all greater ownership of our local congregation, greater involvement, and greater participation. You're, we, we've learned over the years, we, we know this uh, as well as we know anything, that somebody can come to this congregation and sit in those pews, and we can have a dynamic worship service and uh, a preacher who at least tries his best, and they can sit there and all of this can go in one ear and out the other. It's happening right in this room right now. It's happening right in this room right now. It's a lot harder for it to happen in a home fellowship. And I think that some people don't go to home fellowship because of that very reason. They like the safety of anonymity and they don't want to feel any pressure to participate. And so they say in the safe place away. But the idea of home fellowships is that you speak up. Let the people speak, the Lord told me. Let them participate. Greater involvement. It requires a kind of giving on the part of everyone. That's the idea. That's what, that's what we can say is following the example of Acts 2, 3, and 4. Not selling our property and putting all all of the proceeds at the apostles' feet. It's not costing us money, but the generosity of getting up, getting out of your house, and going. Doing your Bible homework during the course of the week, because at home fellowships there's Bible study on a weekly basis. A challenge to study a certain subject or passage in the Bible and then come to home fellowship ready to share about it. Ooh, that's like, I don't know if I can do that. Well, shame on us if we as Christians, especially as the years go by, can't do that. We should learn how to do that. 
it's a, it's, it's requires a kind of giving on the part of everybody that big church does not require. At big church, we can come and we can vegetate. We can just be a pew warmer. Entertain us, worship team. Move us, preacher. I want to I avoid becoming spectator-like in our church. Now, I, like I said, I know there, this church is spread thin. We have a lot of people that are giving to make a lot of things happen. The food pantry, the school, our church meetings. But there is also a large group of people that are, are holding back, that are staying aloof, everybody's not involved. I'm going after you if you're not involved. Going after you with anger? No. With uh, resentment? No. With frustration? No. No. None of that. Just because it's God's will. I want to encourage you to do God's will. I don't think your absence means that you don't feel like coming. I give you credit for feel like coming. It's just that so, so many times, so many things come first. And attendance at church becomes very discretionary. Even this morning, there are a lot of people absent from church. I don't know if they're watching online. They don't need to be absent from church this morning. And attendance becomes very discretionary. The early church was very invested. There's been sort of a flip-flop between Genesis 2, 3, and 4 and a lot of uh, Christianity in America. And as a pastor of a local church, I don't want to go the direction of America. I want to go the direction of the Bible. How about you? Let's go the direction of the Bible. There's always going to be time to take care of home sometimes. We don't have to worry about that. We can compare our motive for going to home fellowship, for going to church. I go because of what I receive. Or I go for God. I go for God. I'll receive I trust God for that. I have faith in God for that, that I will receive. I will receive much more than I will ever give. But I'm going for God. We have excellent home fellowship leaders. Excellent leaders, committed leaders who are really putting themselves out to host you. I think they feel a few butterflies in their belly as... Uh, their, their meeting time comes up on Fridays, 7 o'clock or 7.30. Do you think they're waiting with one eye out the window to see, your, see the cars pull up, see the people coming up the front walk to their house? I can assure you they feel those butterflies and they're watching for you to arrive. I, as the lead pastor, have prepared for home fellowships. The elders have prepared for home fellowships. The the leaders have prepared for home fellowships. 
I can tell you I would not miss one for anything. But a home fellowship is dependent on the members. Not just a worship team leading a fantastic um, worship time and a preacher giving a well-studied, anointed, occasionally funny message. Got to have that occasionally funny part in there. It's got to tickle our humor a little bit now and then. Instead, the members make it. That's actually the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it and the purpose of it. The members make it. Because all the members, we're not just depending on a charismatic leader. Everybody gets to be charismatic. Everybody gets to do their part. It's such a huge joy to be part of a Christ-centered and spiritual team. I want to give you a special encouragement. Make your home fellowship happen. All of you. Don't put it on me. I'm doing my best, and I will. Don't put it on your leader. Your leader's doing, your leaders, he and she in most cases, some have two sisters leading them, They're doing their best. I'm asking all the members, make it happen. Make it better. Make it good. Do the, contribute. Do your part. All of you, take it on yourself to make the team better. To make the home fellowship better. It's really the Christian thing to do. That's the Christian thing to do. That's the Christian attitude. That's the generosity that we see in Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4. The selling of all their properties and the giving of all the proceeds to put it at the apostles' feet. Uh, The the generosity of, uh, material generosity that they expressed. Let's think of it this morning as a metaphor for our heart's contribution to make our church better. Make me better, would you? Make me better. Make me a better pastor. Contribute to me. Talk to me. Help me. It's not too much to ask you to pray for the benefit of the home fellowship, to study your Bible assignment. Get in there and study it. Take a shot at it. Just come with a little nugget to share with your brothers and sisters. To walk out of your home. To get to your home fellowship on time. And to make, do what you can to make your home fellowship better. There are a lot of people in this church that live their Christian life with that kind of attitude. I want to encourage us all. I want want even more people to be like that. Young people. I hope you see, since I took over as lead pastor, my sort of promotion of young people. I I want it to be obvious. I want it to be evident. And I want you to speak. And I'm looking for you to receive a gift of healing. I'm 
definitely ready for trying you guys out. We have uh, worship we have uh, worship teams that are made of young people. Sometimes we let young people um, uh, lead prayer during our Sunday night prayer service. By the way, you should come to all the pr- Sunday night prayer services too. You should come to them all. They are awesome. They're fantastic. We're getting work done for Jesus in the Spirit. Back to the young people. My young brothers and sisters, it's kind of easy for you guys to feel muscled out by those who are older. And there's a school-like element to home fellowships. And so you may feel like, oh, I already got enough of this, um, this school thing. And older people in your home fellowships may be intimidating and they may dominate But I want to tell you, young people, don't be dominated. Get right in there. Get right in there and speak up. Don't take the easy route and check out as an age group. We really need you. You are a big part. You make home fellowships a lot better, too. Your involvement makes them a lot better. We have a couple assistant home fellowship leaders that are in their teens. And from time to time, they take over the whole running of their home fellowship. Because the future of the church is in the young. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 47. It says here in Acts 2, 47, oh, this is cool. It's only 11, it's only, uh, it's already 1 o'clock. Are we committed or what? <laughs> we are committed. Acts 2.47, it says, The Lord added to the church daily. What is it worth to us to see the Lord add to the church daily? What's it worth to us? Number one motivation for home fellowships. To add to the church. Number one motivation. Number one motivation for prayer night, Sunday night. To pray for the Lord, to move upon our community and, gr- and bring more souls in for Christ. That's what we pray about the most. How many people put prayer cards in the basket? Please pray for my relative, for my coworker, for this guy I met, for this person I witnessed to, to save their soul. And the whole congregation that night agrees with them to pray for that person's soul. And we have seen already some of them come to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We can't buy a soul with all the riches of the world. That's not because our riches aren't powerful. They are powerful. But a soul is so valuable that it can't be touched by our riches. Acts chapter 42 refers to koinonia, fellowship. Fellowship, it's the Greek word koinonia. The harmony created by shared purpose. In verse 44, when it mentions how they had all things in common, the word common is the Greek word koina, the same root. They were doing a lot of praying as a group, we read about in Acts chapter 2. 
and praying got them filled with the Holy Ghost. They were encouraged to keep on praying because they had learned that praying works. Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says, They continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. They did all these things daily. And then we read at the end of verse 47, and the Lord added to the church daily. You see, they did those things daily, and the Lord added to the church daily. It's such a picture of unity. Now, if we go to Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 31... We read about how when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. This is like a second filling by the Holy Spirit of the same people. Another filling of the same people. And verse 32 says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. That's the same thing that happened in Acts chapter 2. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and being filled with the Holy Ghost brought about great unity, harmony, sharing, generosity, giving to one another. In Acts chapter 4, they were filled again and the results were the same. That's what happens when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. Generosity and unity, enthusiasm come about. Consciousness of one another. It's showing us the Spirit's work and the lifestyle of an end days church. How many of you believe Jesus is coming soon? All right. Then what unity should there be among the end days church? Amen? No one is making them do it. They're inspired to do it because they've been filled with the Spirit. It's a lot more like family and friendship than it is like policies and procedures. And the last thing I want to say today that the Lord put on my heart is that the ultimate community, the ultimate ideal of a community is not your family. You might think everything for my family. But I want to tell you, your your family is not the ideal community. The Jews thought that. The Jews were a people all descended from Abraham, a family. And John the Baptist and Jesus said, don't think to tell me that your ancestor is Abraham because God is laying the axe to the root of the tree. A new family is coming about now, a spiritual family. A family of the Spirit, with people of every color, every nationality, every background, every culture, every bank account. That is the ideal community. What we're seeing in Acts chapter 2 and 3 and 4 is a picture of the ideal community. Family is not everything. Spirit is thicker than blood, Brother Bob used to say to us all the time. 
You say, I I do things for my family. I've got to put my family first. I'm telling you, it's a kind of a miscalculation on your part. It's a miscalculation. The ideal community is the church of Jesus Christ that's filled with the Holy Ghost and inspired by the Holy Ghost to be generous and enthusiastic and part of one another, committed to one another. So this morning, I'm encouraging you, don't let those home fellowship leaders be disappointed by cars not showing up on the curb and people not going up. There are a few that where, the, where the membership has dropped off, and there are many, many where that membership is excellent. I can tell you I kept track of a little, bit, a little bit of the membership of the church on Friday nights because I needed to know how many f- f- uh, home fellowships we needed. You'll think I'm terrible for this, but I, I took an estimate of attendance on Friday nights for several months before we started home fellowships. And then when we started home fellowships, the attendance on Friday nights at home fellowships at church far outstripped was far above our typical membership, our typical uh, attendance on Friday nights in big church. Far above. But let's not let the newness of it wear off. And let's not see the uh, attendance deteriorate back to what it was before we started home fellowships. Are you hearing me carefully? Attendance on Friday nights wasn't what it, you know, wasn't what it should be. Home fellowships helped us to make a big improvement in that area, a big gain. Let's not lose it. Let's continue and even go beyond the gains what we made and make even greater gains. That's what I would like to see as a church. So I'm, I'm provoking you and I'm encouraging you in this way, but I'm doing it with the Word of God. If, if you disagree, uh, you know, show me in the Word of God where uh, I'm off base. Please, help me be a better pastor. Oh Lord, in the name of Jesus, be with us all as we go our separate ways and help us to serve you with all of our hearts not with words, but with action. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Have a great day.